want to read a couple of verses. In fact, you could turn in your Bible uh, to Matthew 9. I want to read the theme, missions uh, theme of Community Baptist Church for this entire year. It was introduced back at the beginning of the year. And I want to read the two verses, two passages that this theme comes from as we think about what your heart sees. Uh, when, you, when you look at the graphic that we have had before us throughout the year, you see a world. What do you see when you see that world? You see continents, weather patterns, mountains, beaches, lakes. Or do you see the faces of people? And when you stare at that world, you see the faces of people from all over the world. What does your heart see when you see the world? We know what Jesus' heart sees, and we want to be like him. Okay, if you're using one of the Black Pew Bibles we have around the congregation for our guests, you'll find it at 572. And uh, I'm going to read from Lamentations 1 verse before I read from Matthew. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 51, the Bible says, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. Mine eye affecteth mine heart. What do you see? That impacts your heart. If you turn to Matthew chapter 9 in verse number 36, the Bible says, When he, speaking of Jesus Christ, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. When he saw, what did he see? One of our missionaries has been talking about the people on his field, and he's made the comment several times in my presence since they arrived on Friday night. He said the people of, and he named the country, he says they're not hard against the gospel. They're just ignorant. They've never heard it before. What did Jesus see? He saw people scattered with no hope. When he saw, he was moved with compassion. And so what we see needs to impact our hearts. To love a world that Jesus loved. And when what we see impacts our heart, we do something about it. Jesus said to the disciples, start praying for those who will take the word of God to the world. And we're going to introduce first missionary, Leland Johnson from Brazil. Leland, come up. And uh, speak to us for a few moments. Great to have you guys with us here today. You all, and I've uh, been talking with Chris Sisler, who I know you all know. He's Chris Sisler is a good friend of mine. Uh, we went to college together. We graduated from the same college, and I've known him for years. And uh, told him how excited I was about getting back to see you all. And uh, he says hello, obviously, because he likes you all here. At least he tells me he does. Uh, but it's good to see you all. And next time you go down to see him, hopefully you'll hang a left and stop and visit us. Since you're already on the same continent, you can come through and you can see us next time you go down to see him. It's good to be back here with you all. As I said this morning in our in our time, thank you to uh, this church. Thank you, Pastor, for your faithful support of missions, for your faithful support of missionaries. It makes a difference. We appreciate you all and we're so thankful for the opportunity to be back here. You know, I thank Pastor for the things that you shared because I've got a couple of things that I wanted to share this morning and it just 
fits in perfectly with what you already saying. So you already preached the first part of it, so I'll just preach the second part of it here. You know, as missionaries, you get to talk to a lot of people, and they say a lot of things. People ask a lot of questions as you get to talk to people. And the more you talk to people, the more you hear the same things repeated over and over again. I mean, everybody wants to know the strangest thing that you've eaten on the mission field. A lot of times you'll get questions about the language. People will ask you, you know, can you say something to me in Portuguese? Or, or how would you say this? Or what would my name be if I were in Brazil? You get those same questions a lot. But sometimes you get questions that are a little more troubling and you get to hear them a lot as well. You know, this morning I want to challenge you with three misconceptions about being a missionary. And I would dare to say that every single missionary that's here has heard these questions asked before. People ask these questions or make these statements all the time. And when you hear them the first time, you just think, oh, well, you know what, that's not really a big deal. You know, it's just, just a question that's being asked. And then when you hear it over and over again, or you hear the statements over and over again, you start to realize, well, this, this is actually not very good. And the three things that I'm going to give you this morning, you may say, but I've heard those before. You may even say, I've said those things before. And hopefully, by identifying those things and seeing what God's Word says, it will help us in the misconceptions that we have and to form a proper view of what being a missionary is all about. You know, the first one that I've heard so many times, at some point in a conversation, people will look at, a missionary, they'll look at me, they'll look at one of the missionaries here, and they will say, man, you really have to have faith to be a missionary. Man, you, you, you really just have to live by faith to be a missionary. Let's think about that. Let's stop and pray and ask God to help this morning, and then we'll dig in. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time that we Word. God, I thank you for this church and the people that you've placed here. God, I pray that you would help us this morning, that you would challenge us from your word, Lord, to do more for you and more for this world, to reach this girl with the go- world with the gospel than we ever have before. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Man, missionaries really have to live by faith. You know, I, you may be saying, yeah, of course. I mean, I've said that. I believe that. Whenever I hear that question now, I've heard that, that statement so many times. Man, as a missionary, you really have to live by faith. I start to ask myself, well, what do you have to live by if you're not a missionary? I mean, yes, I, I understand when someone says missionaries really have to live by faith. But then I think, well, what do normal people have to live by? What do non-missionaries have to live by? You know, turn in your Bibles to Hebrew chapter number 10. I just want to show you a verse that I hope we can spend, look at just a little bit more closely this morning. When we say in Hebrews 10, verse number 38, the Bible says, Now the just shall live by faith, right? Now, the just shall live by faith. You know, sometimes I think we may misconstrue that verse. And we think that when God says, now the just shall live by faith, that God is actually saying, now just the missionaries shall live by faith. Now, just the pastors shall live by faith. Just the full-time Christian workers have to live by faith. But that's not what the Bible says at all. It doesn't say just one group has to live by faith. It says, now the just shall live by faith. By faith. You know, you need to live by faith just as much as I do. You need to live by faith just as much as any pastor, any missionary, any full-time Christian worker. Because the Bible doesn't say just that group. It says now the just. Why? Because in the same book, God writes to us that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. 
Now, if you just look at your life and you say, well, I'm not a missionary, I'm not a pastor, so I don't need to please God. I think you have a problem with that theology there because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God, meaning I have to live by faith just as much as anyone else has to live by faith. You know what I notice? I notice that a lot of people, a lot of us, a lot of Americans, we feel like, well, I don't really have to live by faith in the United States. And the more that I thought about that, I thought of how untrue that is. See, whether or not you live in the United States, you are living by faith. The question is, who are you placing that faith in? See, I feel like a lot of times as Americans, we believe that we live by we believe that we don't have by faith because all of our faith is in the government. All of our faith is in the economy. All of our faith is in our job. All of our faith is in the things that we have, the bank account, the resources. So we feel that we're not living by faith because our faith is not in the right place. See, the just have to live by faith, but that's not faith in the government. It's not faith in, in politics. It's not faith in the economy. That faith that God is talking about when he says the just shall live by faith is faith in him. Because without faith, not faith in resources. Now, without faith in God, it's impossible to please him. When you look at a missionary and you say, man, you as missionaries, you really have to live by faith. What we're saying is, but I really don't. And that's not true at all. Our faith should be in our creator, in our savior, Jesus Christ, regardless of the country that we live in, And regardless of the political situation, I think what we mean is, well, as a missionary, you can't place faith in the government. You can't place faith in the economy. You can't place faith in your bank account. So you really have to live by faith. But we should all live by faith because that's what God calls us to do. You know, the second thing that I hear, I hear the first one is, man, missionaries really have to live by faith. But then I hear this one a lot. I hear to be a missionary, you must be really bold. Now, I always stop and think when somebody looks at me, I just had that uh, in it, uh, last week. Somebody walked up and said, man, as a missionary, you just man, you have to be really bold to talk to people about Christ. And I, I stopped and I thought about that. And I often think about that. And and it strikes me as strange. Let me ask you a question. When you pray for something, when you pray, do you pray for something that you have or something that you don't have? Well, in my opinion, you you generally only pray for things that you don't have. I mean, when that bill comes in the mail, right? If you've got money in the bank account, you don't sit down and pray and say, Lord, please help me pay this bill because you say, well, I have the money to pay this bill. There's nothing really to pray about. So I think we would all agree that you don't in general pray for things you don't have. You or excuse me, that you have. You pray for things you don't have. Well, look with me in in Acts chapter number four very quickly this morning. Acts chapter number four and in verse number twenty nine in Acts chapter number four, verse number twenty nine. The Bible says as the disciples are praying The Bible says that they pray, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servant, servants, that with all boldness we may speak the word of God. They look and they say, Lord, you hear the threatenings, you hear everything that's going on. Grant to thy servants boldness. Grant, give, bestow, give to us something that we have or something that we don't have. 
Well, obviously, it's something that we don't have. Give us something. We need boldness, Lord, and we don't have it. Now, the disciples are looking and they're saying, Lord, please give us boldness. Well, in Ephesians chapter number six and verse number 18, the Bible says this is Paul that's writing here. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me. He's saying, pray for me. That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Do you pray for things you have or do you pray for things you don't have? Paul says, pray for me that God would give me boldness. Why? Because I'm sitting here and I have to open my mouth and speak and it's been rough and I've gotten beaten and stoned. Pray that God would give me the boldness to stand up and speak. Now, let me ask you a question. If Peter says that the disciples had to pray for boldness because they didn't have it and God gave it to them. If Paul says, pray for me that God would give me boldness, that he would that that I can stand up and speak because he didn't have it. If missionaries have to look and say, pray for me. That's why we write so many prayer letters. Pray for me that I can stand up and speak the word of God. Let me ask if God will give it to Peter, he'll give it to Paul, he'll give it to missionaries. Do we really have to be really bold or do we really just have to really ask God to make us bold? See, missionaries aren't any different than anybody else. We struggle with the same things. Listen, I need boldness when I have to stand up and speak in a language that's not my first language that I don't know really well and try and tell somebody, you're a sinner, you need Jesus Christ. That takes boldness. You know what I found coming back to the United States? I don't need as much boldness because I have my words available. It's easier But if God will give it to them and give it to us, he can give it to you. Missionaries don't have to. You don't have to be really bold to be a missionary. All you have to do is ask God, just like the disciples and the apostles did. One last thing that I hear a lot. People look at missionaries and they say, I could never do what you guys do. I stopped and I thought about that and I said, well, You know, when you say that, which part could you not do? What is it exactly that we do? When you say, I could never do what you do, tell me what it is that you think that we do. Because if you're telling me I could never tell somebody about Jesus, well, sure you could. Sure you could. Absolutely you could. Well, what do you mean when you say, I could never do what you do? I could never learn a different language. Well, sure you could, but the fact of the matter is that most, a lot of countries in the world speak English, so you may not even have to learn a different language, but if you needed to, you certainly could. I could never do what you do. Well, do you mean I could never follow God's leading in my life? Whoa, wait a minute there, preacher. Hold on, I'm not saying that. Well, of course you're not saying that you could never follow God's leading in your life because you have to do that just like any missionary. When you say, well, I could never move to a different country. Well, some missionaries don't even leave the country, but you certainly could do that. So when you say, I could never do what a missionary does, the question is, what exactly do we do that you couldn't do? You could follow God's leading in your life, right? You're here. That means that God is speaking to you, that that you're following God's leading. So when God says, go there, why wouldn't you just say, well, yeah, I can go there. Why could you do what a missionary could do? Well, because Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ. And that's not a verse to missionaries. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens and strengtheneth me. When you say I could never, what you're saying is 
God could never, because God lives inside of me. And we would never say God could never, so we should never say I could never, because God says, yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Listen, you can do anything that I can do, because it's not me, it's Christ that lives in me. And the same Christ that lives in me lives inside of you. And He wants to use each of us to reach the world. Listen, never say that missionaries are different people than you are. We're the same people. We just want to serve the same God that saved us in the same way and see other people come to know Him. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank You for this time. Pray for the things to come. Lord, that You would continue to bless. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Leland. we got Dan Brown coming up here. Let's take our Bibles, if we uh, could, and let's go to a passage of Scripture that may be unfamiliar to you, Matthew chapter 9. Not sure if you've been there much this year, but let's go to Matthew chapter 9. Uh, pastor was preaching my message, and so the Word of God is rich, and I believe we can still find something here this morning that will be uh, a help to us. And so, uh, praise the Lord for, again, uh, these thoughts here. What I'd like to do before we really get into the passage, though, is I'd like to just take a minute and uh, share with you, uh, or at least really what I want to do for the next several minutes, is share with you a prayer request uh, that we have, something that's certainly in our hearts, something that we would uh, certainly ask you to take note of and to pray for us about as you consider this, as you consider uh, the work that God has called us there to do in Madagascar. And uh, we would hope and pray that as you uh, think of us, as uh, maybe uh, you would see our prayer card, that maybe this prayer request would come to your mind and you would stop and take a moment uh, just to really lift up this request, this burden that we uh, have uh, in prayer. Actually, the, the, the truth of the matter is, the reality is, the prayer request that I want to share with you, it's not exactly my prayer request. Uh, there, there's a, another prayer request uh, that uh, I want to share with you. It's not original to me. It's something else uh, that's original to somebody else. And I, I think it's actually a prayer request that you're probably familiar with. And that is the Lord's prayer request here in Matthew chapter 9. I know you've probably read and seen this passage many times this year by itself and probably many more times before. But what is interesting to me anyway, from Matthew chapter 9, we find, as far as I know, the only prayer request that the Lord Jesus Christ ever gave to us. Now you say, what about Matthew chapter 6? That's a great example. And if we go to Matthew chapter 6, you're going to see in that passage, there the Lord Jesus Christ is not necessarily giving us a request to pray about, but rather a, a model, a way to pray. We have the Lord's Prayer there. And uh, really he lays out a great pattern that we should follow when we pray. We could go to John chapter 17, and here some have referred to this passage as the real Lord's Prayer, because here Christ is in communion with His Father, pouring His heart out. And there we can again glean so many lessons from the Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17. But putting those passages aside, as far as I know, here in Matthew 9 and the sister passage in Luke chapter 10, this is the only place in the Word of God, in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, as far as I know, where Jesus said specifically, pray for this. Pray for this one thing. What's that one thing? Well, before we get there, 
And uh, pastors already read that. We've already looked at it together. Let's back up just a moment. Again, see the context. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. We know it well. But when Jesus, he who sold the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. But verse 37, and again, you could quote this with me, I'm sure. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. It's a fascinating passage of Scripture when you stop and think about what the Lord Jesus Christ is telling His disciples, those that had committed their lives to follow Him. He's saying this in essence. He's saying the harvest, that is to say, souls in this world are ready and willing and longing and desiring to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. The harvest. He points out the harvest. You know the passage in John chapter 4 where Jesus tells his disciples, Hey, lift up your eyes and look. The fields are white. They're ready. They're there. They're willing to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yesterday, uh, my wife shared a testimony with the ladies, I believe. And uh, it was about a lady that uh, named Jacqueline. A lady we've gotten to know very well in Madagascar. I won't take the time to share a lot of uh, the story with you. Uh, you may have read some about it in some of our prayer letters. But Jacqueline was a lady that we've gotten to know very well, invited her to church. She began coming. And finally, after several months of praying, with, uh, praying for her, sharing the gospel with her, trying to reach her, finally, one Sunday afternoon, she came to us and she said, I have some questions. Can we get together and talk? I said, let me think about that for a moment. Yeah, I think that will be okay. That afternoon, we got together for the better part of an hour. We sat down and we went through the gospel as simply, as clearly as we possibly could. And that day, before the day was over, she bowed her head to accept Christ as her Savior. Several months went by. Rachel began doing a discipleship with her. We came to the lesson on baptism. Said, Jacqueline, would you like to be baptized? She said, absolutely. Uh, We went down and we baptized her in the local lake there. And uh, after she was uh, done being baptized, her husband, a man that we've gotten to know very well as well, he came up to me and he said... You know, there's something different about my wife, and I don't know what it is. Can we get together and talk about that? I said, yeah, that would be okay. A few days later, I had the privilege to sit down with him and, uh, again, go through the gospel. And that day, he accepted Christ as his Savior. We just heard a few months ago, their grandson, who we've known as well, uh, also came to know Christ as their Savior. And God's doing a great work in their family. But the story I want to share, the point of the story is this. These individuals came to us, so to speak. We prayed for them. We, we shared the gospel from time to time. But when they were ready, when their hearts were burning for that desire to know the truth, they came to us. And Jesus is saying, that's the harvest. Now, Brother Johnson was very clear. Sometimes we think, well, it's just the missionary story. This happens just on the mission field. Let me rest, uh, put your mind at ease. Several years ago, I remember very well serving at our sending church in New Jersey. And uh, we were out knocking on some doors uh, up there. And I could remember very clearly seeing a young man several doors down, several houses down. He was out in the yard mowing the lawn. And, and uh, I thought, I know how that's going to go. He's busy. He's doing yard work. As soon as I walk up to him, he's going to be rude. He's going to say, can't you see I'm busy? Leave me alone. Go away. And that was my expectation. We finished a few of those houses before. Finally, we got to him. We walked up to him as he's mowing the grass. To my surprise, he turned the lawnmower off, took his earbuds out, and he began to listen to what we had to say. We told him who we were, where we're from, shared him, uh, the gospel tract with him, invited him to church. To our surprise, this is what he said to me, and I'll never forget it. He said, you're not going to believe this, but as I was working right now, I was praying and I was saying, God, if you're real, send me somebody to tell me more about you. Amen. Folks, that's in the United States. That's not far, far away. That's here. That's in New Jersey. 
Jesus said the harvest is plenteous. There are people in this world, not just far away, but here in our own nation, in our country, in our city, in our town, that are ready and longing and willing and wanting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, men, listen, the harvest is there. Look, lift up your eyes. Look, see, that's quite a harvest. People in your town, in your city, in your place of work are desiring and longing to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what's the problem? What's the issue then? Well, that's the next part of the verse, right? Jesus said, hey, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. He said, the harvest is there. Souls are ready. They're willing if they would just be reached. But the labors are few in number. They're not there. They're not reaching. They're not preaching boldly. Jesus said, the labors are few. So I ask myself, I say, okay, what's the solution? What what do we do? What's the fix? How can we fix this problem? How can we how can we change this? That's where we find verse number 38, the Lord's request. Here's the solution. Here's what we need to do. Here's the answer to the problem. Verse number 38. What's the first word in verse number 38? Pray. You find that interesting. Hey, it's before the going. It's before the giving. It's, it's even Matthew 16. It's before the surrendering of ourselves and denying ourselves and taking up that cross to follow Christ. It's before all of that, Jesus said, first and foremost, here's what we need to do. Pray. Just pray. Just get before the Father and pour your heart out. But what's the request? What do we pray for? Verse 38, you know it. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Here's the prayer request. Pray that God would send more. Pray that God would send more. Now, let me try to differentiate something here briefly this morning. I want to make it very clear, and I could probably say this on behalf of the other missionaries. We as missionaries need, value, and ask and covet your prayers for us and for the work that God has called us to do around the world. There's no way we could do what God's called us to do without God's help and God's power. And the way we find that is through prayer. We are asking and pleading for your prayers. But those aren't the prayers Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 9. Notice he doesn't say pray for your missionaries. No, rather he's saying pray that God would send more. Pray that God would burden the hearts of individuals in this room, in this nation, in your family. Pray that God would burden their hearts to go and preach the gospel. Pray that God would send more. The only prayer request that I know the Lord Jesus Christ ever gave us, as far as I know, and Pastor, if I'm wrong, you you correct me for sure. The only prayer request that, as far as I can tell, Jesus ever gave us was this. Pray that God would send more more. I'll close with this. We'll be done. And I don't know this for sure, but I just wonder. I just wonder if the reason why the labors are few is because the prayers are even fewer. Would to God that we'd begin praying today, God, send forth the labors. God, burden hearts to go and preach the gospel. Would you pray that with me? Would you pray that Starting today, would you begin to pray and ask God to send forth 
believers. Let's close in prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the challenge of your word. We're we're thankful for this request that you gave us. Now, God, we ask, send forth the laborers. Touch a heart today. Touch hearts today. Lord, in this building, that they would be burdened, that you would not give them peace or rest or comfort until they say, Lord, I'll go. God, send forth the laborers. That's our request this morning. Thank you for all you do for us. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to hear from Brother Brian Wise. Uh, served right down the road here for 20 years, and I never developed a close relationship with him, and I regret that so desperately. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, church, for having us with, having us with you here at your mid-missions. Uh, I want to use the word revival. Okay. Uh, hopefully that it's stirring and reviving your heart from hearing what the missionaries have said, what we've said, and, and also what we have shared with you, what God has done in our respective countries. I hope your heart has been stirred this morning. How that uh, Brother Johnson, he dispelled misconceptions. You can do it. All right? And Brother Brown, he brought forth and, and said that this is the Lord's heart. This is the Lord's request. And even in your, your theme here, what does your heart see? Okay? Not only what your eyes see, but what your heart see. Or in other words, having a heart for the harvest. Because truly the labors are few. And we all understand that. We've heard that many times. But I want to pose the question this morning to you. Is it important to you? Does it really matter to you? We get comfortable in setting in our churches and hearing the same mission messages over and over again and hearing this, the, many of the same time the texts that are used for mission sermons and missions uh, 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 emphasis. But many times, and through hearing that, we can sit and say, yeah, I agree with that, or I give to faith promise. But let me ask the question one more time. Does it matter to you? Is it important to you? Because, you see, it was important to William Carey to take the gospel around the world to other countries. Even though he was told that, hey, the heathen, they don't need the gospel. If, they, if God really wants them to be saved, he can do that. But it was important to William Carey. It was important to Adonai and Judson to go to Burma and spend years in prison to bury his, his wife there in Burma. Translating the scriptures as well, in, as, well as also giving the gospel. It was important to Adonai and Judson. It was important to um, the men that died in the jungles in South America. Is it important to you? Take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. We can get caught up in so many things that, that surround our lives that, I, that many times we lose the priority of what the Lord has asked for us to pray for. We lose the priority of what is really important. And we many times miss the mark in our lives personally. Oh, as a church corporately, you say, well, we support missionaries. And I say, hallelujah. Okay? And I'm so glad. And many of you give to Faith Promise Missions. But as an individual, as you hear the the messages, as you see the pictures of people around the world, is it important for you to let your neighbor know about Christ? Is it important for you to share the gospel with that person that you buy 
your Starbucks coffee from every day. Jesus encountered a person in John chapter 4. And it was important for him. Because you see in verse 4 it says that they must needs go through where? Samaria. Not a likable place in that time of of Jesus' life. Yet Jesus thought it was important to go because there was a woman that he was going to have an encounter with that she was going to do something that his disciples couldn't even do or didn't do. Okay, but it was important for Jesus to put aside the ridicule that he could have received, the criticism that he could have received from the religious rulers, or religious leaders of his day, because Samaria was not the best place to be going to at that time. In fact, those who were the of the religious sect, they walked around Samaria as they were going north. They didn't want to get defiled or contaminated by going through Samaria. But verse four said they must needs go through Samaria. And Jesus established here with his disciples the importance of one, but the importance of taking the gospel. Insomuch that as he has this encounter with the woman at the well, as we all know, it comes down to this in verse 26. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. He now is revealing who he really is, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Now, what does verse 27 say? And upon... This came his disciples. Now, where had they been? Well, as you know, they went into town to buy food. Okay. And marveled at that he talked with the woman. Do you have a co-worker that seems a little less undesirable to the rest? And maybe even yourself has said, you know, that guy, he's pretty rough. The disciples marveled that Jesus even talked to the Samaritan woman. And then they said, Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? They just still were going to observe. But here is what the reaction of Jesus revealing who he was to the woman in verse 28. And the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city. And say unto the man, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? All of a sudden, her need for water was no longer important. All of a sudden, that water pot was not the center focal point of her life. All of a sudden, the need to get a drink of water became secondary or even not even a thought. Why? Because she saw and she was revealed to her who Jesus really is. And as we take the gospel, do you want your neighbor to know who Jesus is? Will it be important enough for you to share the gospel with that neighbor, that co-worker, that that, uh, schoolmate? So that they can see Jesus. It was important for Melvin Marenko there in Nicaragua. Melvin, he rededicated his life to the Lord in March of 2016. And afterwards, he said to me, Brian, pray with me because I'm praying that God will save my family. Now, Melvin, he he wasn't just saying it so that we could just pray and pray and pray. Oh, we did. But Melvin, it was important enough for him to put action to it. You see, the woman at the well, when Jesus revealed who he was, 
She could have said, wow, that's really cool. She was brought to a point of decision, guys. Was she not? Every time you hear about missions, you're brought to a point of decision. Is it important to you? Have you given to faith promise? Are you participating in that? Is it important enough for you to participate in faith promise? Is it important enough for you to, to pray for a missionary? Is it important enough for you to talk to that person in your realm of influence about Jesus? And she was brought to a point of decision of whether it was important for her not to go back into town where the disciples were, who have anybody could have had influence of saying, hey, outside the town here is Jesus. But their focus was on what? Just getting something to eat. They had the greatest opportunity to tell the town folk, look who's outside your town here. This is Jesus. But no, they were more focused on what they could get to eat. And how many times we get so focused on the other exterior things and not about Jesus. The woman goes into town and you know the rest of the story. Well, here's the rest of the story with Melvin that ankle. His daughter, Jedica, and his son-in-law, Marlon, got saved and baptized. His grandson, Dedic, got saved and baptized. You saw him in the, in the video when we were in the, in the um, uh, different sessions. His other son, Melvin Jr., saved and baptized. His other daughter-in-law, Melvin Jr.'s wife, saved, still trying to get her baptized. And he says to me, you see, God's doing it. Now, Jerica and Marlon are the two that helped us start the second work in Barrio 21. And they have grown so much spiritually. Leaders in this church now, and they are overseeing the work while we're here in the States right now. Why? Because it was important to Melvin Lorenco. And he prayed, God, save my family. And so Jesus then poses the question. With this, I close. Verse 35. Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. In other words, Jesus is saying, is it important to you? You can already see what what it looks like. Your eyes can already see. But does your heart see it? Is it important to you? There's a chorus that we used to sing at Battlefield. The harvest is now, but the laborers are few. The harvest is now, what will you do? The harvest is now, oh don't delay. The harvest is now, tell the world that Jesus saves. And folks, the only way that that will happen is that you know you can do it because great, that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. First John 4. And Paul told the church at Ephesus that God is able to do abundantly, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think by what? The power that worketh within you. So you are capable of doing it. You are able. Pray but then make it important in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you...
have done and what you're doing in the work here as well as around the world. Oh, Father, I pray that it will be important to us to share the gospel and tell others about Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Brian. I appreciate that so much. If you are watching this program by live stream, we're saying goodbye to you now. And we're cutting the live stream. Let me know. Wave when you know the live stream is off. Thank you very much.